Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This week on The Breakup Breakdown. I was dating a musician. He was like, babe, I wrote an amazing song. It's going to be a smash. He plays it. The whole thing is about how he's in a toxic relationship that's never going to work. He said, I wrote this after our fight. Then I was like, right, so this whole song is about wanting to break up. And he was like, no, no, it's just a song. It's just a song. Uh, Yeah, spoiler alert, it's not just a song. Hey, what's up? It's Abby from The Breakup Breakdown. Thanks for tuning in to another episode. Every single week, we get to the bottom of a different breakup story. And they're always submitted by listeners just like you. If you check out the episode description, there's a submission form where you can submit your own breakup story, maybe a friend's, maybe someone you'll like follow on Instagram or maybe an influencer, whoever. Head down to the episode description. You'll find that submission form link there. And if you want to jump to a certain part of the interview, you can find timestamps, you guessed it, also in the episode description. Hey, Heartbreakers, welcome back to another episode of The Breakup Breakdown. Thanks for tuning in. So this week, we've got a submission about somebody who they follow on TikTok who said, that their boyfriend wrote a song about their breakup before it even happened. But before we get into that, every week we give a shout out to a different domestic violence shelter throughout the country just to raise more awareness. And this week we're shouting out Abuse Counseling and Treatment in Fort Myers, Florida. It's a private not-for-profit agency committed to serving victims of domestic violence, sexual assault, and human trafficking. So if you want to find out all those details on how you can help out, it's in the episode description. Okay, so into the submission. So this week I got a submission that was all about a comedian on TikTok. It said, Abby, I follow this girl Maddie who has been all over my For You page recently and she's always talking about her ex-boyfriend who's a musician and how she just can't get over him and she's listening to his music on Spotify and he's like her top artist but the whole thing is like a hysterical train wreck so you gotta get her on the pod to talk about it and as a Taylor Swift fan I was like oh my gosh this is so reverse T-Swift coded like talking to the person who gets songs written about them so I look into her and here's one of the things I found out about her and her ex. My ex-boyfriend is an indie musician but tomato tomato um and we broke up a little bit ago but right now he's releasing new music i always thought that the worst case for dating a musician is like after you break up they release insulting songs about you nope the worst case scenario is you date an indie musician and then he breaks up with you and then he proceeds to release a 12 track album about being in love with his previous girlfriend like the girlfriend before you like i need to know what i did to deserve this specific torture because i'm literally sitting here like it's hard to process the breakup already and i'm listening to these songs that he wrote like about his girlfriend before me and the lyrics are like you're perfect like no one could ever replace you like we built a soul home together and I'm like okay but so what do you think of me I knew these songs existed he wrote them before dating me obviously but there's something so sick and twisted and even Machiavellian about watching this guy promote this music and literally promoting a song being like this song is about the greatest romance of my life oh (laughs) right Yeah. Can you imagine trying to get over your ex while they're simultaneously pushing out music that would reinforce a lot of the insecure beliefs you have about yourself, specifically women? You know, you're in bed with them and you're thinking, is he thinking about somebody else? Am I pretty enough? Am I good enough? And then a whole album comes out that's like, yeah, that was all true. All those beliefs that you probably held about yourself, they're, they're not far off. So I hopped on the phone with her and she told me it gets even worse. She's like, he wrote their breakup anthem before they even decided to break up. 
So let's find out what happened when we break down this week's breakup. I was dating a musician, an indie musician, which is the worst thing you can sort of do for your mental health. And let's see, okay, so I met this guy, this was like a year ago. We met on Hinge and we met basically right after like a month before I had learned that a long-term ex of mine like we dated for three years had just gotten into a new relationship so when I found out that that ex had gotten into a relationship I like had a mental breakdown that was like truly like a Shakespearean level unraveling of the female mind <laughs> like <laughs> literally I felt like Ophelia if you're familiar with the Shakespeare I took one one college course on Shakespeare and I reference it all the time why did that send you into a spiral what was it about him that made you go oh my god I'm losing him you know that was my first love like that was the the first person I dated really and we dated for three years and we dated during the pandemic and we it was college relationship but then we moved out to LA together like it was a whole thing and then I broke up with him so that was completely like on me and like it's not like I regretted breaking up with him ever like we just sort of grew apart as people but seeing him at a party with his new girlfriend hit my ego in a way that then had to be dissected in therapy for the following nine months. Just the idea that he could get over me mm. made me want to be dead. So how dare was, you love somebody else? Literally, I was like, you were supposed to hang up, like stay hung up on me for you until you died. Like you were supposed to die like a male nun, like literally never kiss again. So that was just this huge ego hit. And it also was like an identity hit because even though I had broken up with him and like that was the right decision, our identities had been intertwined for like years. Like, like we were just sort of like a classic like college couple also he got into this relationship like six months after we broke up oh so i felt like it was very quick <laughs> i was like no way did you like we did it for three years you're in a new relationship within six months and here's actually tea on that they posted the other day being like happy one year but less than a year ago he had asked, I like should not say this on the podcast if they're listening hey guys I'm literally happy for you and I'm sure you guys have already dissected all of this but I will just say less than a year ago he had asked to see me and asked to come into my apartment and then like held me on his on my couch while he like toggled back and forth by being like I don't know if I'll ever fall in love again but then also was being like you were a bad girlfriend like it was the most like it was emotional terrorism like it was literally horrible and it <laughs> fucked me up and then like a week later I I saw him at a party with this new girlfriend, new girl. I don't even know if they were dating like exclusive at the time, but recently they posted happy one year. And I was like, that timeline doesn't add up. Yeah. The math is not mathing correctly. There was definitely some emotional gray areas that were blurred, but again, like they're happy. That's great. It's chill. Well, no, this is just now I'm just bragging, but she and I, cause I'm obviously a bisexual queen. She and I had matched on hinge before they started dating. <gasps> no. And that <laughs> and that's something I only recently found out like a month ago because I was scrolling through old hinge matches and I was like, whoa, this is actually so funny. What if you guys just become a thruple at this point? I know. I'm like, guys, let's just all hook up. Like, what's the big deal? Yeah. Like, what are you scared? I know. And he lives. This guy lives with my two best friends. So that that is a whole nother. We could do a whole nother podcast episode about that dynamic. There's a lot there. So you're like, OK, what's the worst thing I can do for myself? How can I make this worse? Let me do exactly. a musician. That's exactly kind of what happened. Like, I hate to be like it was a rebound and I, I don't think it was fully like I I mean, I don't think it was a rebound, but I do think that I maybe wasn't emotionally in the place to genuinely dive into another relationship. But so I have this thing run into my ex. I have a mental breakdown, whatever. A month passes. I start taking tap dancing classes because I thought that would help picking up a hobby. Like, I don't know. I was like, I guess I'm working on myself now. I'm going to read a book and take tap dancing classes. Do you have um, a background in dance or where did the tap dancing come from? <laughs> 
No, literally the tap dancing idea came from, I was talking to my therapist and she was talking about how I always feel the need to perform for people. Like I'm performative. I I'm always on. Mm -hmm. And she was like, Maddie, you don't need to tap dance for people. Like she meant it as a metaphor. Like you don't need to always be on, but it literally made me be like, wait, I actually should tap dance. (laughs) So your therapist was like, don't perform for people. Therefore, as a solution, I should perform for people by taking tap dancing classes. Okay. Literally, I was like, the only word I heard in that sentence was tap dance and now I'm intrigued. Okay, so you start taking tap dancing classes. This all goes to shit at some point, I'm assuming. Honestly, the tap dancing classes remain the best thing in my life. Oh, I love this for you. Okay. Yeah, it's awesome. I go to this place called Tap with Howard. It's a man, Howard, in his basement. And I tap dance there. Lots to unpack. Lots to unpack. But anyway, a month later, I like go on Hinge, which like I hadn't really done since my previous breakup. I matched with a few people. I matched with this guy. He was playing a a guitar in one of his posts, like one of his Hinge prompts, which was obviously very slutty. That's like the sluttiest thing a man can do is like post a guitar, guitar video. But we match and we go on this date and honestly I thought briefly that I'd met my soulmate like I literally was like this guy gets me this is what I've been waiting for he's interesting and he's funny and he's talented and he's driven and that had been a thing that I'd been missing in previous relationships was like a very driven partner and this guy he's like successful musician like a little bit older than me like I was just so compelled by that and I just felt like literally like it was just like one of the best dates ever and it was like we just totally clicked and I I really felt like seen by him. Like, I don't know. It was like truly we made eye contact and it was just like waking up. Like I literally felt like, oh, this is like what I'm here for. And then we had this extremely huge, like flurry romantic relationship. Like he, in retrospect, actually in the moment, even I feel like he love bombed me. Like, I really think that I don't know. I think musicians, male musicians and male artists, it's the same thing with anyone. Like this is a very like common thing. Thing, but I just think he saw me as like the solution to his problems. He's also severely mentally ill, which is fine. Like I've dealt with a lot of that in my life tangentially. And so I think I slotted in really easily to sort of a, not a caretaker role, but I just think that he projected a lot of his like angst onto me. And he was very like, well, I'm this depressed guy. I'm, I'm depressed. I'm struggling. I'm struggling. But here's this girl. She's super enthusiastic. She's bubbly. She's this. So like maybe she's the solution to my problems. Human Prozac, essentially. Literally, literally like he really just and he would always say stuff like that. He'd be like, Maddie, you're just like the smiliest person I know. You're just everything about you is vibrant. You're this, you're this, you're this. Like he just really put me on a pedestal and I could feel him doing it. Like I could totally feel. And I would say that to him. I'd be like, I'm worried that you you are projecting onto me and like I really like you you're so awesome but we've only gone on like three dates and you're already telling me that like I'm the best person you've ever met when he had been in relationships before like it just felt love bomby after our like second date he surprised me with tickets to our my favorite musical artist and then he surprised me with this huge like romantic dinner and then when I didn't react well to the romantic dinner because I thought it was overwhelming I wasn't mean, but I just was like, oh, wow, I wasn't expecting this. He like got really upset and got like really like kind of crying about it. And and he would bring that up for months and months later being like, you know, when I surprised you with the romantic dinner, like you didn't like that. And I was just like, it was a little overwhelming. So that became a dynamic. He started calling me all the time being like, anytime I picture you hooking up with somebody else, 
I have a panic attack. I spiral. We weren't exclusive. This was truly within two or three dates, like truly starts putting all of this on me. And I would be, you know, we had all these conversations. He wanted to be exclusive right away. And I just was not about that. I was very transparent with him that I was still getting over an ex. Also, I'm queer. So I was like, I don't know if I'm ready to sort of I was just dating a man for so long and I I now feel more comfortable in queer spaces. Like as a single queer woman, I don't know if I immediately want to jump into another relationship with a man like I want more time to explore like queer spaces and I want more time to be single and I want more time to do my hobbies and I I don't want to be exclusive. It got to the point though where he was like could not handle not being exclusive and I know that all sounds bad but when he was good he was really good classic you know he was so funny so smart I did have a talent crush on him I mean he's like a beautiful singer and I loved when he would just like sit there and play the piano while I kind of just laid on his bed and listened like I love that and he was also so encouraging of me like now I'm like relatively big quote unquote on TikTok the only reason I started posting on TikTok was because he was like Maddie you are so funny all you need to do is put yourself out there like he was the one who was like, you should be putting yourself out there. I'm going to encourage you. I'm going to come to all your shows and film your sets so you can post that. Then all that stuff went super viral. Like he really believed in me and like pushed me in a way that like my previous ex did not like when I was doing shows. Like my previous ex like wanted me to be like domestic at home. Like, but this guy was so encouraging. So there was a lot of good stuff. We would do so many fun things, but he was just so depressed and he was so possessive. So I don't know. We had a lot of conflict early on because he would call me being jealous about something and I would feel really pressured and da da da. All of that stuff was really good. And like I said, he's deeply mentally... unstable so I shouldn't say unstable but he's just on he's unwell like that and that's his I I don't think that's bad for me to say all of his music is about being mentally ill that all of his fan base is like thank you so much for speaking out about mental illness like it is his thing which is cool that was really hard at moments especially because I would take a lot of that on but also it was kind of refreshing because I do have some trauma I have some like whatever and I felt like he got that in a way that previous partners had not gotten that I think we both thought the other person was the answer to our problems for me I had this problem of like I'm devastated about my first breakup and I'm devastated about my sense of self and my ego is bruised and this guy worships me and his was like I'm depressed I'm alone I need like a light in my life and this girl is super vibrant so I think it was a little bit unhealthily attached from the beginning. Yeah, you guys fit all the wrong things for each other, but at the right time where it felt good. It's like the perfect example of when you have really good chemistry with someone, like being around them, it's so fun, even if they are like a little bit unstable. But I feel like to be fully compatible with someone, it's got, you've got to be two healthy people in a relationship. Yes. And if you're both in unhealthy spots, like it's it's going to end up leading to where I think we're heading now, which is the breakup. So where where do things start to go wrong? Like when do you start to realize mm, this probably isn't going to last very long? Yes, we definitely fit all of the wrong things. It felt like a solve. Like it felt like a remedy. You know what I mean? It was so comforting and addicting. And like you said, yeah, our chemistry was unbelievable. Probably the best immediate chemistry I've ever had with anybody. Just right away electric. It started to go wrong. Like I said, it was kind of wrong from the beginning. We would fight all the time. From our third date, he was calling me being like, hey, I heard that you're still on Hinge. My friend saw that you have a Hinge profile. After our third date, you know, like and he's having a mental breakdown about it. So that was a dynamic always. We also just had different priorities for relationship. Like, for example, 
my friends are my family. Like I take my friendships so seriously. He like didn't give a shit about how he came off to my friends. This one time he was in a horrible mood. We went on this picnic to go see a jazz thing with my best friend and his girlfriend. It was like this cute double date. And then my best friend's girlfriend's friend came along. And so it was this little group. And I was like really excited to be hanging out like as couple friends. He just shut down the entire time because one of the other girls basically corrected him on what orange wine is. Like my boyfriend of the time, he was like, oh, I brought this orange wine, I think. And he was talking about it. And one of the other girls who was there was like, oh, I'm actually like a second level sommelier. That's been my hobby of the year. And it's actually interesting because actually how orange wine is made is this. Like how orange wine is made is this. And my boyfriend of the time, he was like, that's not true. Like they just got into this like tiff about it. And I was like, bro, chill. It doesn't matter if you're right or not. Let her be excited about being a sommelier. Like she just said that that's her new hobby. She's excited. Can you just let her be excited? And he was like, you're not on my side. And I was like, okay, sure. And I see that. But also my friends are really important to me. And you just shut down for three hours because a girl corrected you one time. (laughs) Like for the rest of the hangout, he was on his phone and people were asking him like, so what's your job? And he would just be like, music. Like a toddler. My therapist, when I told her about it, she was like, oh, he was punishing you. He was throwing a tantrum. And he would do that all the time. Like he would always just have these little fists. The way that his mental issues manifested was that he needed a lot of space. And the way that my kind of like traumas and stuff manifested was that I needed a lot of closeness and reassurance. So whenever he was triggered and I was triggered at the same time, it was a disaster because he'd need space. I would need closeness. Neither of us could give the other what we needed. It was pretty brutal. So we just had fights like that all the time. We would fight and then we would sort of make up, but mostly just fight and we would always just come down to this thing where we were like i just don't understand you at all like i don't understand how your brain works he also would never compliment me ever and i really need words of affirmation he would never like see me and be like oh you look beautiful like never and i would try and get him to do it and he'd be like well you're trying to change me (laughs) so which was horrible anyway where it really started to unravel it really started to unravel when he basically took a month-long trip and like didn't want to talk to me for any of it. He like a f- two days before leaving tells me this is the beginning of the summer. He goes, oh, I forgot to tell you I'm going home for two weeks. I was like, oh, you forgot to tell me. Like, I thought we we had plans next week. When were you going to tell me that you're actually leaving for two weeks? He was like, oh, I forgot. I was like, OK, that's fine. Obviously, I'm independent. Like, it's, I, it didn't bug me that he was leaving, but it just bugged me that he like didn't tell me when we had other plans. I was like, when, when were you going to tell me you're fully going across the country for two weeks? Then when he was home. He extended his trip and then extended it again. And during all that time, he just never texted me, never called me. I called him and texted him a few times. Like we we FaceTimed a few times, but soon we started fighting over FaceTime because I would be like, you haven't texted me once. Like you took this month long trip without ever giving me a heads up about it. And you can't even text me just to say thinking of you. And he would be like, well, why would I text you to say that I'm thinking of you? Like, that's so stupid. And I'd be like, yeah, but it makes me feel good. And we would just get into these huge fights. And then he was like, I'm actually going to go to New York a few day- for a few days to meet with my label. I was like, 
okay, cool. Then he was like, I'm going to get coffee with my ex. <laughs> Just and I will throw that in there. Yep. He was like, oh, I meant to tell you. I like FaceTimed him because again, he never FaceTimed me. I FaceTimed him. He's like, oh, I meant to tell you, by the way, me and my ex are going to get coffee tomorrow in New York. I was like, what? And he was like, yeah. And I was like, wait, wait, wait. So I'm your girlfriend. And this entire time you have not thought once to text me first. Anytime we've texted, I have texted him. You have not thought once to FaceTime me or text me without me prompting it. But the second you land in New York, you think to reach out to your ex. Like, why are you thinking about your ex more than you're thinking about me? You don't think to text me even when you land, but apparently you must have texted her right when you landed. And he was like, well, Maddie, Maddie, I didn't text her the second I got to New York. We were already talking. And I was like, what do you mean you were already talking? Again, doesn't talk to me. I was like, what do you mean you're already talking? He was like, well, you know, we were texting because she has back pain. And what, he's like a low-key chiropractor? What the fuck? Yeah, I go, why is she texting you about her back pain? He goes, well, I don't know. I like didn't even know. I knew that they were on like, okay, terms. Like, that's fine. Also, I'm fine with people being friends with their exes. But again, like truly, this is the first time that I'm hearing that they're still in contact, let alone that she's texting him about his her back pain. And I was like, how often do you text? I thought you guys were like on neutral, good terms. Like, I did not know you guys were still talking he was like well yeah we text i was like how often like who's texting who first he goes i don't remember you don't remember if you texted your ex-girlfriend your ex who you dated for three years what do you mean he we get into this huge fight on the phone classic classic where he's like you can't control me like if i want to see my ex you can see i can see her and i was like it's not like about that but like why are you not thinking to communicate any of this to your current girlfriend becomes this whole thing whole fight i don't know then he comes back they don't end up getting coffee like whatever they like talked on the phone or something instead but then he comes back And I had like cleaned his apartment for him and I had like really prepared his place and got him like a present and like was so happy for him to come back. But he comes back and we're just like fighting. So that was like the real thing. And then, yeah, we had a bunch of other fights. And then we had this big fight about the orange wine moment with my friends. Almost broke up that night because I just was like, I can't do this. Like, you literally don't give a shit about me. You don't. These are my best, like my best friend, his girlfriend. We're trying to make a good impression on her. He's like, well, I don't care. Like, why do you care about my impression that I make? I'm like, I don't know, because it's my best friend and her, you know, his partner. So we almost broke up that night. Then we didn't. And then the next day he played me a song that he wrote about us breaking up. (laughs) He was like, babe, I wrote an amazing song. It's going to be a smash. He plays it. The whole thing is about how he's in a toxic relationship. That's never going to work. Is he saying, Hey, by the way, this is about you. Yeah. I mean, he was, he said, he was like, this is, I wrote this after our fight. Uh, uh. (laughs) Then I was like, right. So this whole song is about wanting to break up and how it's never going to work. And he was like, no, no, it's just a song. It's just a song. Then a month later, we go on this trip to San Diego. It's great. We hadn't fought since that big fight. Like when we had almost broken up, he was the one being like, we shouldn't break up. This is a really good relationship. We just got to put the work in. So then we did. At least I put in a lot of work. I doubled up on therapy. I read a bunch of like anxious attachment books. Like I put in so much work to like try and understand his perspective, try and understand his mental illness more, try and understand, you know, my triggers more. Like I really put in so much work. He obviously didn't change even a little bit, but I still thought that we were like good. Like I was like, okay, well, I'm the problem and I changed. So now we're going to be together forever. It's going really well. We go on an amazing trip together. So fun. That week, literally, he's like, hey, on your lunch break from work, 
can you come over? Let's come over. Let's eat together. I'm like, great. Cause he lived right across from my work. So we would like hang out all the time, like during my work day, like whenever I had a break. So it wasn't weird, but I show up and he's just like crying and he's just like, Maddie, I'm thinking about this in the long term. It's never going to work. It's never going to work. We need to break up. After he had begged me to be exclusive, begged me to date him, love bombed me, begged me not to dump him, told me we have to work on this. And so I put in all this work. Then we have a great month. And then he's like, it's never going to work. Let's break up. He's like, I think this song is going to be too good. So we actually have to break up for it to hit the charts. <laughs> to be honest, that's literally what my best friend said about it. My best friend was like, he literally just like is addicted to his own pain and like needs to like be miserable. And I think there's an element of that that's true. And literally when he played me the breakup song, he was like, this is a smash. This is going to go viral. And it's literally a song about wanting to break up with me. And I'm sobbing on the floor listening to it. And he's like, this is going to be a hit. So then he breaks up with me. But then we continued to hook up for like four months. Ah, classic. Yeah. How did that go? Here's the thing about getting love bombed, which is what I think happened at the beginning of all this. When somebody love bombs you and then they stop giving you that attention, for example, he love bombed me before we were dating. Then the second we were dating, no more gifts, no more compliments, no more love bombing, no more anything. We're fighting all the time, whatever. And then he breaks up with me. Then in my head, I'm like, I must be the problem because he was loved. Like, remember, he was obsessed with me at the beginning. At the beginning, he told me I was perfect. At the beginning, he told me I was everything he was looking for. At the beginning, he was giving me gifts. At the beginning, he was texting me. So what's the variable that could have changed? Me, I must have become the problem. So especially after he broke up with me, uh, but we kept hooking up and dating. We went on trips together. We went to Six Flags. We went to dates. We went to a winery. We went to concerts. Like we literally basically continued to date. I was put into this mindset of I need to win him back. I need to get him to that original obsession because he, he used to think I'm perfect. So if he doesn't think I'm perfect anymore, I need to start being more perfect. All these issues I'd had with him never texting me, never affirming me, never brought, I never brought that up again. He would be an hour late to every single time we hung out. Every single time we hung out, he'd be an hour to two hours late and would not communicate that. And I used to be like, hey, that's really hurtful to me when you do that. Now, never brought it up. Like all these things, like he basically had hooked up with his best friend right before me and him started dating. And he didn't give me that information until months into our relationship. And that was a huge fight because also she was very evidently extremely obsessed with him and into him. And I'd bring that up to him all the time and be like, wow, your best friend like seems to have an inappropriate, like the way that she talks to you, like the way, like it's, it's weird. It makes me think she has a crush on you. And it took months before he told me, well, we actually did have sex. I was kind of uncomfortable with their relationship, but it was fine. But then after he and I broke up, I never brought I never brought her up again. Like I never brought up the fact that he was always late. I never brought up the fact that he never asked me questions about myself. Like all these things that had been issues in our relationship, I just stopped commenting on because I basically was like, I was the problem and I want him to be obsessed with me again. And sometimes he would be like, sometimes he would just hold my face and be like, you are the most special person I've ever met. You're my best friend. And this is all happening while you're like, I'm just not going to be any kind of burden to him at all. Yes. Yes, exactly. Oh my God. That's awful. You basically are conditioning yourself to feel like I can only be loved if there's no fault. Oh my God. Ow. Ow. Literally. It fucked me up so bad. Like I'm literally going to cry. Like literally it fucked me up 
so bad. Like I just tried to make myself as small and as likable as possible. Like all those things at the beginning of the relationship that he liked about me, I tried to emphasize those. Remember, like I'm so fun. Remember how vibrant I am? Remember how manic pixie dream girl I am? Remember how interesting I am? Like I would just try and push those qualities to the forefront. And then any kind of negative quality, like, oh, I'm upset because he does this. I'm jealous. I'm insecure. I need affirmation. All of those truths about me got pushed to the back. So then I developed a lot of resentment because he would just fucking walk all over me. But I wouldn't tell him not to. Like I like and he would say, wow, it's so great now. He would literally be like, I love this new version of our relationship. Like, I love how easy it is. And meanwhile, I'm sobbing in the car because, you know, alone because he told me he would hang out with me at 7 p.m. And now it's 10 p.m. And he hasn't texted me and I've been waiting all night. So now I'm just sobbing alone in my car to Mitski. And then the next day he's like, everything's perfect between us. Like we have the best, this is the best little dynamic ever. And I would like agree. I'd be like, yeah, it's so great. Yeah. It's easy to be in a relationship when there's no consequences for your actions. Yeah. And I don't know how that eventually ended was, this is so funny. Basically I posted a TikTok that was about a different ex. Some, that girl, his best friend who was obsessed with him. Yes. She is a fucking op. Anytime I posted anything, anytime, anything, she would call him and be like, Maddie's crazy. He got my humor. He got my comedy. So he wasn't very receptive to that. Like he would tell her like, you know, Maddie's a comedian. She's like going to post jokes. I don't take it too seriously. But this one time I posted a joke about like stalking an ex. The girl called him and was like, Maddie's crazy. Look, she's stalking you. And it was about like stalking like Instagram followers. It was a whole thing and it was a joke and it was hyperbolized. But he basically called me and was like, I don't know. It kind of just became this whole fight. And I was like, you know what? Like that TikTok actually wasn't about you. Like that was actually about an ex I obsessed over in high school or maybe it was early college. But this actually brings up a good point because the joke was about obsessing over an ex going on new dates basically and i was like this specific joke wasn't about you but to be honest yeah the idea of you going on dates with other people does make me uncomfortable because you and i just took a trip to san diego me and you just made plans to go on a cruise me and you like go on dates all the time we have sex all the time like we and and so yeah now that you bring it up the idea of us dating other people and i dated some other people but i just was like dude, I feel like we're still in a relationship and I feel like our boundaries are like really unclear. And I'm not saying we have to be exclusive right now, but where do you see this going? Like, what's your plan here, dude? Like you broke up with me, but we've continued to date for the last three or four months. What's the game plan? He was like, well, I I don't want to date. I don't think we should date. We don't work together. And I was very like, how can you say that? Like you just dumped me without ever expressing any issues to me. Like when we had this big talk, you like didn't even tell me issues that you were unhappy with, but I still did a lot of work to try and understand you better. Like, I just feel like you didn't even give us a chance. And now we've continued to date and you're just telling me that it's just never, ever gonna go anywhere. Like, it's not even that I'm like, I want us to be exclusive right now or I wanna jump back into a relationship, but it is just more like, what is your long game? Like, do you just want to keep on doing this with no consequences? Like, I'm just your sort of filling girlfriend. Like, that doesn't feel good. 
And this was the night before Halloween. So we're both sobbing in the car. We're both crying because we're like, oh God, we're on different pages. And he's like, you're my best friend. You're my best friend. Nobody can give me what you can. But I just, I don't think we like work, which is like true. Like we don't, you know, he's right for that. But then we literally take a break to go to a haunted house because it's Halloween. Okay. (laughs) So we go to the like haunted hayride in Los Angeles. Act like nothing's happening. We get back to his apartment after. And I'm like, okay, so should we keep talking about that? Then he has a mental breakdown because he, something I said sort of triggered that. So then he's like, can you go outside so that you're not distracting me while I have this mental breakdown? So then I go and I sit on the porch, his porch. It's cold outside. It's October. I go, I sit outside while he like has a full on mental breakdown about like other valid, valid, valid. But it was just silly timing. Then I come back in and we have the most intimate sex we've ever had and we go to sleep. Then the next day we wake up and we go to get breakfast and I'm like, so we should talk about the boundaries thing again. We should talk about where we stand. And he was like, oh yeah, I forgot we were talking about that. And then I was like, I don't think I can keep doing what we're doing. Like we're basically dating, but you don't want any of the responsibility of that. And he was like, you're my best friend, da da da. And I was like, dude, you don't even think to text me like... I feel like if I never texted you again, I would never hear from you. And he was like, Maddie, all of my friends say that. None of my friends like are happy with how much I talk to them. All of my friends say that like it's a one-sided relationship. And I was like, well, that sucks for your friends. And then he was like, you're the only person that I would text again, as if that's some huge thing. And I was just like, okay. And then I was like, yeah, I just don't think I can do this. And it's Halloween. And then he was like, well, let's talk in a month. Let's not make any decisions. Let's talk a month from now. But let's, you know, split for then. So then we split. A month passes. Of course, he doesn't reach out to me. Another month passes. And now we're here. And we've DM'd a bit. And we've almost hung out once. But then I kind of blew him off. Just because I don't know what there is to talk about, to be honest. Like, I just, there's really nothing to talk about. But... That's the breakup. Weird side question. Whatever happened to the song that he wrote for about you, about your breakup? I'm sure he'll release it in like a year. I mean, musicians take forever to release their music, but really funny timing. He wrote this album that he's releasing now, like two years ago, but it's just getting released now. And it is all songs about his ex-girlfriend and about how perfect she is and how inspiring and, and how inspiring their love is and how she's the biggest love of his life and she taught him how to be a better man. Like it's a whole album that is beginning to get rolled out now about how much he loved his ex-girlfriend. Were any of those songs written while y'all were together? No, no. At the but very still, end. it's just funny. Like I get it. Like and I'm a comedian, so I get it writing, but it is so fucking funny the timing that it's like we break up a week later there's a song released about his ex-girlfriend that's like you're the only person i ever want to be with is literally the point of the song oh my god and then two years from now we're going to be getting the whole album about you about how it'll be like the same message it'll be all those love bomby things where it's like this girl manic pixie dream girl so perfect no flaws but we were toxic but then you were perfect and then we broke up and it's because i never texted you yeah it's gonna be this extremely over romanticized over painful depiction of our relationship and to be honest if we were to ever talk again and I think we will like the the hard thing is we he we were friends like he's a very interesting person and he's very supportive and I do miss those aspects but yeah just if we were to ever talk again that would be what I would want to say is I would want to really call him out for just being like 
love bomby and manipulative and selfish. So I think if there was anything worth saying to him, it would be that. If you were going to send him a text tomorrow or today, what would you say directly to him? Well, we do text sometimes. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Oh, we DM wait, wait, a little wait, wait, bit. Because you said that he never reached out to you. So I'm assuming you reached out to him at some point. Well, what I meant is we, we he never reached out about like hanging. Okay. So we have had um, really surface level interactions he like sent me these disposable pictures of us that he had just gotten developed. Also, we had almost hung out one time because he wanted to get his AirPods back from me, but then I kind of blew him off. Okay. <laughs> he never reached out to me in the sense of, it's not like he's reached out to be like, let's have a conversation about our relationship, which he did tell me he was going to do. But we've like lightly talked just on Instagram and a little bit over text. Okay. So you guys are on good terms, you would say. I would say we're on really complex terms. Like I'm pretty angry at him and he knows that. And I've like, he does know that. Like when I was ending things on Halloween, I was very like, this is going to mess me up for a long time. Like, I feel like you were really unfair to me. And he was very defensive and was like, well, I'm sorry you felt that way. So how have you, how have you discussed this in therapy? Like, it sounds like your therapist has more of a vendetta against him than you do. You're like this toddler. What have you been working on since this relationship ended? You know, I would say a huge thing that my therapist has to remind me is that I was extremely put off by the love bombing while it was happening. Because a lot of what I talk about in therapy is like, but he thought I was perfect. So what did I do wrong? He was the one chasing me. He was the one who like wanted me. So what did I do to mess that up so bad? And my therapist reminds me like, but Maddie, like you didn't trust him. You didn't want to be exclusive with him. Like you were unsure of him from the beginning. And it's really only since he rejected me that I've been like, but I want that back. Because while it was happening, I was like, he's love bombing me and this is overwhelming. And it's overwhelming that he calls me with jealousy and it's overwhelming all this stuff. But since that's been taken away from me, I've been like, why doesn't, why isn't he jealous anymore? Like, why doesn't he care? You know, it's stuff like that. So I think it's a lot of my therapists, like helping me separate my ego from reality. And yes, it hurts that he is no longer obsessed with me, but I don't want a partner who's blindly obsessed with me. Like I want a partner who sees me and will show up for me. So I think a lot of what I'm working on in therapy is the ego element. Well, it's also an interesting example of when you look back on a relationship and when you look over the course of it, it's easy to forget the negative yeah. feelings that you feel. But we rarely talk about something like love bombing where you focus on, oh, but he thought I was perfect, even though at the same time you were still having those negative feelings of like, this feels a little icky. And also, I don't know if you identify as a perfectionist, but I feel like a lot of creatives have a lot wrapped up in their identity and coming off as likable and people not seeing your flaws. And I feel like it must've been really hard for you to feel someone became very disillusioned with you, like seeing you for who you really are and then rejecting that person. That's exactly what it is. Like, especially because I grew up in a pretty hard household and blah, blah, blah. My father abandoned me when I was young, like all that shit. So I think I do just have rejection triggers and having somebody reject me in that way was just extremely triggering. And it did trigger those like childhood, like abandonment wounds and exactly it is that feeling of he was obsessed with me but then he saw the real me and then he didn't want me anymore but that's like not true like that that is how it feels but it's not true like he did not see me at the beginning like at the beginning he just wanted me to be this shiny object this like prop to make him feel better 
And then when I started having actual needs, when I started being like, hey, I kind of need you to text me sometimes. I need you to tell me if you're taking a month long trip. He couldn't handle that. And that's not a reflection of me. That's a reflection of him. But it feels like a personal rejection because it's like, if he wanted to, he would. But sometimes they just can't. And it's not about you. But I just... I do think I'm better than that. I think I deserve somebody who I don't have to beg to text me, but it's hard. And it's, it's hard when they check certain boxes and not other boxes. And it's hard when they show up at the perfect time, you know, like, I'm like, oh my gosh, I just got my heart broken by this former ex, but maybe this was the guy all along. This was the person all along. And it's like, you fill in those details that aren't really there you know I think I really fell in love with potential you know but in reality every week in therapy I was telling my therapist like it's crazy he's like really love bombing love bombing me it's crazy he wants to be exclusive this early it's crazy that I had to spend a whole week consoling him because he found out that I had sex with somebody a month before he and I met like stuff like that like it was a lot even while it was happening but since he ended up rejecting me, it just hit my ego and it triggered my abandonment wounds and it felt really personal. But I think the most healing thing is like friendships. Like I think I have a lot of friends who genuinely do see me for who I am and they stick around and they've stuck around for years. So I think that does a lot to heal the feeling of this person saw me and then didn't want me. One, I don't think he ever really saw me. And two, I have other people who see me and... I can see myself as well. And like, I'm getting better at that. So, you know, it's a journey. I'm so glad we dated. I do think I learned a lot. What are some of the things that you learned then? I mean, I really think that I learned about red flags because like I said, from the beginning, I did think the love bombing was a red flag, but I pushed it down because I was like, maybe this is what love is. Maybe love is somebody calling you and like, sort of yelling at you because they found out that you're on hinge, even though you're not exclusive. Maybe that means he really cares. Maybe us fighting for hours over orange wine. Maybe that's normal. Him like screaming at other drivers, like unbelievable road rage. Maybe that's fine. Like there was all this stuff that I felt were red flags, but I pushed it down because I just wanted to be in love and I wanted to be loved. But I don't think I'm going to do that again. I think I'm going to really stick to my guns in whatever my next romantic endeavor is. Like I really think I have a better sense of red flags. And I do think even though I do think he was unfair to me, I do think that there were things that I did that weren't fair. But I think I sort of dated him for his potential. And I think I was then trying to mold him a little bit into what I wanted him to be when it's just like I shouldn't have dated him in the first place. Like I should have been like this person has red flags for me. This person is not compatible with my communication style. So instead of trying to force it, I'm just going to walk away. So I'm glad I had that experience. And also positively, though, he really supported me and was extremely ambitious and really, really like pushed me to believe in myself. And so like that's a great thing that I'm walking away with, you know, so there's there's positives for sure. But I think a lot of what I learned was just like self-worth and a little bit more trusting my gut. Because like I said, at the beginning, mm-hmm. I felt the red flags, but I just pushed them down. It is always the things you ignore in the beginning that end up coming up in the end. And it feels so simple, like, oh, well, just don't ignore them. But it's you're hoping you're falling in love with the idea or the potential with somebody. 
and the the red flags are still going to be there and they're only going to get worse. They're only going to get worse. But hey, at least you if he really pushed you to be on TikTok out of this, at least you you walked away with another element of your career. No, seriously, genuinely. And to be honest, a lot of the followers I got were from like making fun of my indie musician ex, which he knows and he respects, you know, like <laughs> it's honestly you got to give him that like he's pretty like he's just supportive of that. And like, yeah, he was the one who was like, Maddie, you're funny. You need to take yourself seriously. You need to put yourself out there. And then it's like, boom, millions and millions of views later. I've been on Buzzfeed. I've been on whatever, like truly he pushed me in a way that I'd never been pushed by a partner. And I need that. Like that is something that I'm going to look for in the future. And um, yeah, I mean, to be honest, I think everybody needs one really toxic relationship in their twenties. I'm kind of glad I got it out of the way. And I'm sort of like, that was crazy. That was a wild ride and it sucked, but also that's sort of your twenties. And now I feel like I have that quintessential toxic X and, you know, I feel like I learned a lot and it's fine. And it's kind of funny in a lot of ways. So will you ever date an indie musician again? Definitely not a male indie musician, maybe a woman, but I just think especially he was white, like a white male indie musician who grew up with a lot of money. There is a certain amount of ego there and a certain amount of he was not reluctant to take up space. And he wasn't like he never checked his own ego. Like, I think there's elements there that I also really struggled with, especially like as a queer woman. Like, I just felt like even on an identity level, we would bicker a lot. And I I don't know. It was hard to date somebody who took up that much space. Explain that to me in relation to your identity as somebody who's queer. Well, I just think that he never questioned himself in a way that I kind of think everybody should question themselves. And that's not me saying you should doubt yourself. Not at all. But it's just like when you grow up with that much privilege. And I I'm saying this also as a white woman, like to be clear, I have my I have my absolutely my own privileges. And that's something I work to question and da da da. But I just think he never felt the need to work on himself. He never felt the need to make space for others. He never felt the need to question his privilege. He never felt the need to question, like, why does he get opportunities so easily when other people don't like? And that bugged me. Like, it was really hard for me, like not just because, oh, I'm a queer woman, but also as somebody who's like in diverse communities or somebody who like really cares about like that. Like, I just felt like there was such a disconnect between him and reality where like, yeah, he just never questioned himself in a way that I think I need a partner to question themselves. And I want a partner to push me to question myself, you know, but he just had this like blind, unwavering confidence that I also struggled with. And I think it would be hard for me to date somebody like that again. He was just hella delusional. Yeah, just delusional and rich and like <laughs> just this freaking man singing about his feelings, which is great. But yeah, there was just no self-reflection. There was no self-reflection. And that came across whenever I would ask him to do stuff. Like, hey, can you text me once in a while? He'd be like, well, I don't want to have to change who I am for you. Like there was no wiggle room. There was no wiggle room in terms of his self-perception. And I think everybody should have a little bit of wiggle room and a little bit of questioning in their self-perception. And it's hard to be in a relationship if there's not that element because a relationship needs to make room for both people. But if you are somebody who has never had to make room for other people before, whether it's because you're privileged or because you're an only child who, you know, was raised to believe you were special, like, I don't know. But if you don't have that skill to make room for other people, and I do think people with, you know, minority identities, which, you know, whatever ones, they're going to be more culturally programmed to make room for other people for good and for bad. Like that's they shouldn't have to do that. 
But I'm just saying that specifically this guy that I dated never had to make room for other people. And it made it hard to be in a relationship with him. Like it was suffocating to a degree. Yeah. Because I mean, you did the exact same thing for him. Like you literally got back with him for those four months and tried to completely change yourself just to appease him. The relationship totally became 99% him and 1% me. And I just made myself smaller and smaller. He didn't make any room for me. So I was making all this room for him, you know? Versus I think in my previous relationship, at least there was more of that, like we're two people in the relationship. So, but you know what, actually in my previous relationship, I think I was the one who took up more space. So I think I almost overcorrected in this relationship. And I do think it was a good learning experience in the future. I want to be 50, 50 with somebody, you know, I want to make room for somebody and I want them to make room for me. I think that's what partnership is. 100%. So what's your advice after this experience? Like for somebody who really relates to this story or maybe even finds himself in this kind of relationship, what's something that you would want to let them know about what you've learned? One, pay attention to the red flags. Your gut knows. You should literally read the book Untamed by Glennon Doyle. It is an amazing, like kind of therapy book. It's an amazing memoir about learning to trust your gut and learning to trust the knowing. So if you pick up those doubts in the very beginning, you need to act on them before you get attached because attachment is truly a chemical force. And once you're attached, it's really hard to break away. That's a big thing. Red flags, pay attention to them. Your gut always knows. Two, I would say, don't judge yourself though. Like, sure, I could beat myself up and be like, Maddie, you're so dumb for getting in this relationship. But like, no, like it's fine. And my life is my life. And like, I still learned a lot and everybody's on their own journey. And I'm not going to beat myself up just because I got into a toxic relationship one time in my 20s. Like sometimes you kind of have to have the experience. And like even when we were hooking up after we broke up, I kind of knew it was a bad idea. But I was like, whatever, I'm still doing it because it's what I want to do. And I just I'm not going to beat myself up when I know I'm going to do it. And I trust myself that eventually when it's time, I am going to end it. And I did. So like trust yourself. Don't judge yourself. Let yourself have the experiences that you need to experience. Because I think in a lot of ways, I still needed to experience something like this, even if it sucked. Three, I want to come up with a third thing. Don't date an indie musician. On Thursday, we'll have a breakdown bonus episode for you where we cover love bombing and why this is the episode I related to more than any other one we put out before. I'll see you whenever you decide to tune in next.